after the class. All right, this is a pre-class music. Yeah, Zoom is open today. Uh, we're now we're now live, Menachem Mendel. Why are we live? Well, because Tati's going to give a class about the nine days. Oh. Do you know what the nine days is? Yeah. Yeah. What is it? What are the nine days? Uh, what is it? Uh, do you know? Uh, what is it? Well, let's ask. Do the people who are watching know? Uh, people. Menachem what are the nine days? I'm just pulling up my Facebook page over here so I can see you if you're on Facebook. Nine ten. Nine ten. Yeah. What do you mean? Okay. So, How about the numbers? All right, but I think you need to go to sleep. But we are going to start our class on the nine days. On two. Okay, Menachem Mendel. Okay. Here, if you want to go sing for mommy, go sing for mommy. Oh, she's making Ari feel a little better. Okay, so thank you for joining tonight. We are going to discuss this evening about the nine days. What are the nine days? The nine days are the days from Rosh Chodesh Av, the first day of the month of Av, uh, which is a Hebrew month. We'll get into it a little bit later. And between the first day of the month of Av and the first day of the month of Av and the ninth day of the month of Av, which is the saddest period on the Jewish calendar. We're going to discuss it both philosophically, historically, just one second. Okay. We're going to discuss it both um, philosophically, historically, and the laws and customs that are associated with it. Now, it's a very, very difficult period of time for us, as we will demonstrate in a moment. Um, just to give you some, uh, some, of, the, some of the history that's gone on during these nine days. So let me share with you the screen over here. Um, sorry, my phone's ringing off the hook. Okay, uh, let me share with you my screen over here. Uh, so here's just for a historical perspective, a little bit of the idea of what has gone on. So the 17th of Thomas, we may discuss today, but let's focus on the nine days. So particularly the ninth of Av. So, so there's, let's say there's a three-week period. There's a three-week period. It starts from the 17th of Tammuz and it ends on the ninth of Av. That's the day from when the walls of Jerusalem were broken in until the temple was destroyed. So the ninth of Av is the saddest day in Jewish history. And there's a bunch of terrible things that happened during that day. The first thing that happened on that day was the spies returned to the Jewish people in the desert, and they said, you don't want to go to the land of Israel. And because of that, uh, the Jews were destined to wander in the desert for 40 years. And that being the case, um, it caused tremendous uh, problems, of course, being the desert 40 years, which meant the generation that was there was going to die in the desert. And God said then, God said, you can read that over there, what I wrote, um, or not what I wrote, this is from the Talmud says, Rabbah said, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, the night was the night of the ninth of Av. So God said to them, you wept without cause. In other words, there was no reason to cry. The land of Israel was a great place. Therefore, I will set aside this day for a weeping throughout the generations to come. So that's the first time. First event that happened on the ninth of Av was the people were um, crying for no reason. So God says, well, you know what? I'm going to make you cry for a reason. 
in the year 423 BCE, the first temple was destroyed. In the year 69, the second temple was destroyed. In the year 133 CE, the Jews rebelled against the Roman rule, believing in a leader called Rabbi Shimon Bar Kochba, and they were butchered and destroyed in battle in the city of Beitar on the 9th of Av. So again, the 9th of Av recurring theme. In the next year, the Romans plowed over the Temple Mount on the same day. In the year 1290, the Jews were expelled from England. A day earlier, uh, they were expelled from Spain in a different year. In 1492, they were uh, they had to leave. The 9th of Av was when the Spanish expulsion happened. In 1914, World War I began, and also during World War II uh, in 1941, that's when the final solution was concluded and agreed upon and uh, approved, was on the 9th of Av. So it's a terrible time period in Jewish history. That was just to give you a beginning of a historical background. Um, okay, let's take a pause on that. So what I wanted to discuss first tonight, before I got to the technical, um, the, the technicalities of um, the 9th of Av and the, the laws that go along with it in the first nine days, I wanted to discuss philosophically uh, about the 9th of Av. So I was going to discuss it from a Kabbalistic perspective. So Kabbalistically speaking, um, or let's, let, let's put it this way. Why are we still in exile? What is the problem? What was our sin? So the Talmud says that the sin, that the reason the first temple was destroyed was for sins of idolatry, immorality, and murder. And of the second temple, it says that the second temple was destroyed because of baseless hatred. And this brings us to an interesting thing that, you know, the first temple was only destroyed because of idolatry and murder and immorality, which sounds pretty bad, but nevertheless, uh, that the temple was rebuilt within 70 years. So that sin wasn't so bad. But the sin of baseless hatred, it was so bad that the temple's destroyed. It's still over 2,000 years later, we don't have a temple. So what is so bad about baseless hatred that it's even worse than, let's say, murder, idolatry, and immorality? So if we look in uh, this past week's uh, Torah portion in, in Devarim, was it Devarim? Maybe it was Matos. Okay, well, maybe my memory is failing me over here. But uh, the, uh, I think it was Ma Matos Masse, actually. So the Jewish people were told, you have to go fight a war against the Midianites. Okay, so they were commanded through Moshe, you have to fight a war against the Midianites. And then God's... Uh, and it's an interesting thing that they were told to fight against the Midianites because they did not want their property... They didn't need their area. It wasn't in the land of Israel. They weren't standing in their way, but they were told to go and destroy the Midianites. And um, the question is, why? And why was it so important that Moshe do it? Why was it so important that, that the Jewish people do it? And why was, so to speak, that last act that Moses had to do before he passed away? It was the last thing, so to speak, that Moses had to do before he passed away. We see after the war of Midian, he just spoke to the nation and gave them a long sermon. And then he... Uh, passed away. So why was that the most important thing? So the answer is on a Kabbalistic level, and then this will help us understand on a practical level why the sin of baseless hatred is the worst. Uh, it says there were seven nations that were in the land of Israel before the Jewish people got there that had to be utterly destroyed or kicked out of the land of Israel. Now, why 
spiritually speaking, these seven nations represent what is known as the seven character traits or seven attributes, shall we say, seven negative character traits or attributes. Uh, so they were, they had, so they represented the seven evil attributes. And uh, the Jewish people were supposed to kick them all out of the land, but they didn't. This was spiritually speaking, that means that they were supposed to get rid of the seven evil character traits and attributes, but nevertheless, they were there. And therefore, to rectify that mistake, the first exile of the Jewish people was 70 years, 10 years for each bad character trait, because they had these seven evil character traits. It took them seven years to get rid of each one. However, Midian is totally different. Midian is not one of the seven nations. Midian is, uh, in, in uh, Hebrew, also comes from the word strife and separation. So the klipah, the impure force of Midian, is disunity, strife, and, and fighting. And ultimately, that is worse than everything else. And it's actually the root of all other evil. In other words, the root of all other sins is strife and fighting. Now you might ask why. What does strife and fighting have to do with, okay, maybe I can understand stealing, maybe murder in some cases, but immorality, idolatry. In other words, why is that the worst of all? Why is fighting, infighting, um, the worst thing of all? And uh, the answer is that Truthfully, what is the root of fighting? Why do people fight? Why don't people, why can't people just get along, right? It's old people, old question people ask, why can't people just get along? You know, they say uh, an old stupid joke. You know, I one time got in a fight with one, three, five, seven, and nine, and the odds were against me. Okay, anyways, so uh, why is it that uh, people can't get along? And the answer is, is of course, ego. The ego, the yeshut, the ego is what prevents us from getting along. I had this discussion with a uh, preteen yesterday and discussing how uh, if we had no ego, there would be no place for fighting, you know? So, you know, typically someone else does something and uh, usually it's an extension of their ego. In other words, why are they trying to put me down? Why are they trying to make a joke out of me? It's, usually it's not because they're evil people. Usually it's because they want to lift themselves up. And sometimes people lift themselves up by pushing other people down. It's a hyper-focus on self, hyper-focus on ego. Um, that's where all, that's, if you boil down any type of fights, it boils down to ego. And ego is ultimately the root of all other evils that there is. All evil that exists uh, in the you know, in the spiritual sense, boils down to ego. Uh, we had a discussion earlier in the JLI class, how truthfully we have these two souls. We have the, um, one second, it should be, um, okay. Uh, we had this discussion earlier on this year in, in our JLI course, which really maybe I should teach again because it was so good, um, how we have the two souls. One soul is self-focused. The self-focused soul, short-sighted soul, it's um, it's all a focus on self. You know, you ever see animals? Some animals out there, uh, they'll fight against each other for food, even if there's enough food for everybody, right? So there's one animal eating, and there's a bunch of food there, 
then the other animal comes and has to chase away the, the one well, the one species so it can eat. Why does it do that? Because that's 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 representative of one of our souls. It's not necessarily evil, but it's a hyper focus on self, and uh, that's what causes people to rip other people off and and all other different types of things. It's you know too much worried about myself. Whereas our godly soul, we said, is more mission focused, not what is there for me, but what can I do? What is there for me to do good in this world? So what causes fights, midium, causes strife, is the ego. And that is ultimately the root of all other problems. And that's why Moses, before he passed away, he had to fight against midium. And that's why the Torah says that the, when you win the fight against midium, the name of God will be complete again. It says that we as people, it says we're created in the image of God. The image of God means we carry the name of God within us. And when we have discord and when we fight, we, we cause the name of God, so to speak, to be broken up. And it doesn't allow the proper flow within this world. It doesn't allow God's spirit and blessings to properly come into this world. That's why uh, blessings only come when we get along. So that's why Moshe, before the last thing he had to do for the Jewish people was to fight against Midian, to, so to speak, to destroy this uh, evil, uh, to destroy strife. That was his. That was his purpose. Now, so why does it take so long? Why is it taking so long for us to fix this problem? And the answer is simply because we don't see ourselves as having baseless hatred. We see ourselves, right? It says, why was the temple destroyed? Because of baseless hatred. If you ask anybody, nobody will say they have baseless hatred. Everybody has baseful, I don't know, however you want to call it. Everybody's hatred has a reason. I have a reason I can't get along with this person. There is a reason I, I, I hate that other person. Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they said about me? Do you know what they thought about me? We always have reasons. You know, when it came to the other sins of the Jewish people, idolatry, immorality, uh, those are sins that are clear. So it was easy for them to rectify. But when it comes to the sin of baseless hatred, it's much harder for us to recognize it. Uh, actions are much easier to see how they're bad than, let's say, feelings. Now, feelings sometimes come to actions. But um, so the actions of idolatry and immorality, those were things people could easily see and correct. That's why that exile, the first exile, didn't last long. But our exile currently is because of our baseless hatred. And when it comes to our baseless hatred, our hatred um, in our uh, conscious mind, we tell ourselves there's a reason why I don't like that other person. But truthfully, the, behind it, it is baseless. Why is it baseless? Because all hatred and fights is based on the assumption that I am the center of the universe. I am the world. I am the most important thing. And then the reality is that it's baseless because the truth of the reality of the world is God. And I'm only here for a mission. So that person said something bad about me. That's their issue. Okay, then you have to make an evaluation. Can I hang out with that person? Can I not? That's a separate question. But is there truly a reason for me to hate that person? Um, no. In the, in the deepest reality, it will be called baseless hatred because it doesn't have a base. It's based in a wrong assumption that I am, that I am. And really you're not. When we say you're not, we don't mean you're, you don't exist, but 
the, the truth of the reality is that you're subsumed within God's reality. Um, and by the way, we, we see this today, of course, in arguments, you know, today arguments are not arguments anymore. Uh, everybody knows that arguments are, per, uh, what goes on in politics today is all they do all day is they attack um, people. We don't attack ideas. Half of, more than half of the discussion that goes on in politics today is about the people not about the policies and not about the ideas, or even if it's a discussion about the policies. This, this person has this policy because they have this flawed character trait. They have this policy because they have that flawed character trait. And, um, and they're just trying to destroy everybody and trying to destroy this. You hear from both sides. And, um, and we justify. We don't call it baseless hatred. And we have it justified. And they're trying to ruin my country. Again, both sides say the same thing. They're trying to ruin my country. Yada, 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 yada. And imagine if we had a political channel based on the values that I'm teaching here today, where we love each other, we all care about each other, and uh, we might have different opinions of how to do things, and we're seeking, <coughs> we're all seeking the best. Doesn't always work. Uh, you know, you, you may believe that I'm destroying everything, you know. You actually see this in the Talmud. We know the sages of the Talmud were very, very scrupulous, very, very careful about Jewish law. And um, there were one time, you know, a rabbi had an argument with the other rabbis about a certain law in, Jew in, in a certain question in Jewish law. He held one way, they held the other way. And you can imagine these rabbis of the Talmud are very, very spiritual. And to them, it's not just a question of, you know, theoretical, but according to one opinion, those other rabbis' opinion is, is breaking the laws of Shabbat, right? Going against the word of God. But nevertheless, in the Talmud, it tells stories of how after they, they had these arguments, if one rabbi was outnumbered by the others, then the Jewish law follows. You have to follow the majority. And there was a story. There was one time a single rabbi who argued on the majority. And one time he did something according to his opinion and not according to the majority. And he fasted for 40 years because he didn't keep his his colleagues opinion even though he held they were completely wrong can you imagine what type of humility that takes can you imagine what type of arguments they had it definitely was not a personal argument that they had you know and that's what's making this exile so long what's making this exile so long is everybody says oh a baseless hatred that's not uh that's not me i only hate with good reason right but in truth really and truthfully any type of hatred or dislike is rooted in the ego, uh, which ultimately the feeling of ego and feeling of self and selfish um, is truthfully baseless because it's not the true reality. Um, God is the true reality. All right, so that being said, how do we fix it? How do we fix ourselves? So uh, don't expect to change overnight, but contemplate this idea, contemplate First of all, the importance of getting along, how when we don't get along, we each carry the name of God and we're, so to speak, causing a discord of God's name. And if you have feelings of dislike towards someone else, remind yourself that in truth, most likely it is a feeling of your ego and yourself and not that that person is so bad. Half of the time, that other person, they might be doing something bad, but it's, they might also be focused on their self. Then they're not necessarily evil. 
you know, ultimately this whole thing, right? Everybody says people are just looking after themselves. You know, people are just trying to protect their own skin. They're not, they're not really out there to get you. Um, and if you can't bring on good feelings, at least act towards one another in a kind way, in a good way. And that itself, that alone um, can, be, can be helpful and can be a good thing. Uh, one second here, trying to uh, see if I can get this. Um, okay, so now let's move on to the actual nine days. So that was more a general idea about the nine days and what's caused uh, this, the terrible calamity and why unfortunately we have not merited yet to see the redemption. Um, now let's take a look at, um, a little bit more into the technicalities of the nine days. So just so you have an idea, the nine days begins today. The nine days, as I said earlier, is for the, um, the, the nine days are the, uh, nine days from the first day of the month of Av until Sorry, I'm just not sure why I can't see this stuff. Okay. Until uh, the 9th of Av. So this year, that will come out to, oh, my, my calendar's on the wrong date. So it started today, and it ends uh, after the fast of the 9th of Av. So it ends on July 30th at night. So again, today was, today was Rosh Chodesh, and then it'll end on July 30th. The month of, um, one second, let me just turn my notes over here, my pages over here. Um, just give me a moment here. So, you know, we are already in a period of mourning. As I said earlier, from when the walls of the temple was destroyed, we're in a period of mourning. And there are already customs that were supposed to be in place already from the 17th of Av. So that is from July 9th. There are already uh, things of mourning that were supposed to be in place. For example, uh, we're not supposed to buy anything expensive. Uh, we're not supposed to get haircuts, not supposed to hit each other, not supposed to listen to music. Acapella is okay. Um, we're not supposed to attend, we're not supposed to make weddings. Uh, however, now we move into a more serious period of mourning. Uh, and that begins with the nine days. By the way, the first thing that happened in nine days on the Rosh Chodeshah, the first day of Av, was Aaron, the high priest, Moses' brother, passed away. So let's start with the name of the month. So again, Hebrew months and English months are different. The name of the month is Av. Av means father. Now, over here, it has a, not a good meaning. Av means it's the father of all tragedies. However, at the same time, we also call it Menachem Av which means the consolation, the consolation of Av. And that is because, so again, sorry, one second. Okay. And that is because uh, we want to be consoled within this month. Um, Av is also known as the month of mercy. Uh, Av, father in Hebrew, corresponds to uh, the level of mercy. As you say, Av Rahmim, our merciful father. And this does not contradict the fact that there were many tragedies, because in Judaism, we understand that the tragedies sometimes are also an expression of God's love. It says that we are lucky that God took his anger out on a building full of bricks and stones, you know, the temple, rather than on his people. 
So important days in the month of Av. Again, the first day of Av, Aaron the high priest died. On the fifth day of the month of Av, the Arizal, the famous Kabbalist, passed away. On the seventh day of the month of Av, the Gentiles entered, uh, or shall I say, the Babylonians entered into the uh, Holy of Holies. Um, and on the ninth of Av, of course, it was destroyed. Um, so here are a list of the things we don't do during the nine days. So again, additional restrictions that we don't do during these nine days, again, starting today through July 30th. So the things we don't do, A, we don't want to have a court case. B, we do not buy or sell expensive items that bring us joy. In other words, um, don't buy a car, right? Um, or generally, don't buy a house. Uh, we don't uh, we don't build or renovate for pleasure. So if you have the option, if your workers are fine taking off nine days, you know, it's like, okay, if your toilet's backed up, you can call the plumber. But if you have building going on and you have the ability to push it off, push it off. Uh, we do not plant for the purposes of pleasure, only can eat the food. We don't eat meat or drink wine. Um, I was going to go to my refrigerator to show you. I bought myself the Beyond Burger, uh, always the nine days. That's the time when I get to eat the Beyond Burger, that, that the new burger that came out that's made out of pea, uh, pea protein. It's pretty convincing, um, but uh, it's a great time to buy that. Um, this here also bought the, uh, the, the chopped meat. I'll see if that one's good too. I mean, the fake chopped meat, of course. We don't launder our clothing or wear freshly laundered clothing. So again, we don't wash our clothing and we don't wear freshly laundered clothing. I'm going to go through some of the details over here. We don't purchase any new clothing and we do not take a shower. I'm going to get to that one too. I'm telling you the short list and then I'm going to explain them. Of course, there's caveats to everything. We also don't cut our nails unless it's Arab Shabbat. Um, Sephardim are going to be a little bit different, not so much different. If you are Sephardic, um, you can ask me. So the general idea of the nine days is that we want to diminish in joy. Just as a mourner has to diminish in joy, we, joy, we diminish in joy. So for example, uh, obviously no weddings, um, probably shouldn't have a comedy night during these days, uh, extra jewelry and makeup, not a great idea. Um, we avoid a court case. We avoid court cases because we believe our luck is very bad during these days. Similarly, by the way, if you can push off a surgery, if you don't need it right now, don't get a surgery now. Um, buying, buying and selling can bring us joy. That's why we typically will try and avoid it. Uh, of course, uh, you can buy your orange juice and you can buy your pickles. I'm saying things that you need. Um, but we're talking about, you know, getting that Ferrari, getting that home, get whatever those expensive things that you want to buy. Um, of course, if something's not going to be available and you're going to lose it if you don't buy it now, you may buy it now. Similarly, we don't listen to music during these nine days. Why no music? Of course, because music brings us joy. Today, there's a whole genre out there of Jewish a cappella music. That means only using their mouths. Uh, most famous of them is the Maccabees. The Maccabees don't use any musical instruments. They're just using their voice. Uh, so that is a great thing to listen to during these nine days. Um, so you're missing the music, but it's, uh, it's still okay. Um, okay. Uh, planting, okay, that's understood. Uh, eating meat or poultry. So we don't eat meat or chicken or whatnot. You can, however, eat fish. That's okay. 
and uh, anything that's uh, fake meat or fake stuff, that's also okay. Um, however, of course, there's an exemption on Shabbat. Shabbat, as we'll get to, uh, all these restrictions don't apply. Um, of course, if someone's sick, someone needs to eat meat or uh, poultry, that's all, that's okay, of course. Um, there's also laws, what if there's a, a mitzvah meal? So for example, there's a bris or something. Um, if you have that, let me know. Of course, there is, um, that is, that is okay. Um, drinking wine. Um, we don't drink wine, of course, that brings joy. However, beer and other beverages, alcoholic beverages are permitted. And it's also permitted to use vinegar. Specifically, wine is not allowed and don't whine about it. Okay. Uh, grape juice, by the way, is the same problem. You cannot drink, drink grape juice. If you're drinking a grape flavored drink, uh, make sure it doesn't have uh, real grape juice in it. As far as laundering clothing, washing clothing, really, I, I feel bad, I'm a day late. I should have told you this yesterday. So yesterday I had the washing machine going all day. Um, obviously, of course, if you really have nothing else to wear, you can wash your clothing. But uh, if you can stretch it, that would be good. Some people, by the way, say that the restrictions really kick off in full force uh, the week of Tisha B'Av, which would be Sunday. So if you hadn't had a chance to wash your clothing, um, at least get it done before Shabbat. Um, now, all types of clothing, linen, towels, all that is included in the prohibition. Uh, whether you're washing it, whether you're commissioning someone is not Jewish, uh, whether you're commissioning someone is not Jewish to wash it, it's all uh, not supposed to be done. If you have a stain that that literally came on your shirt, you know you can spray it, but uh, properly washing or ironing even is a problem. However, you can use the dryer during the nine days. Um, in a time of need, if you really, really have nothing respectable to wear, of course you can do a wash. Um, and kids clothing, I have to tell you, well, you know, we have little kids. So of course, at some point we will have to wash their clothing. There's just no way around it. Uh, the way kids wear their clothing and the way kids dirty my clothing too. So that's why I'm not wearing the white shirt. Uh, I've been wearing t-shirts around the house. It's, uh, when I'm here, it's just not worth wearing a white shirt. Um, doesn't stay white for very long. Um, of course, even kids clothing is, is preferable not to wash, but if you have to, um, hospitals, of course, medical facilities should do washes um, for safety. That is, of course, something important. So in addition to not uh, putting your, washing your clothing, we also have a prohibition against wearing freshly laundered clothing. It has to be pre-worn. Uh, so what some people do before the nine days is they wear all their clothing. Now, when we say pre-worn, by the way, it's only referring to the outer garments, the shirt, pants, uh, undergarments and socks that can be freshly laundered. Uh, but we don't wear any outer garments that are freshly laundered. So one way to do it is wear all your clothing for a little bit before the nine days. Um, if you didn't have a chance to do that, um, what you can do is put your clothing on the floor before you wear it. That way it takes away its status of freshly laundered clothing. The other thing that we can do is... Um, the, uh, the other thing 
that you could do is if you wear something on Shabbat, then you can wear it during the weekdays as if you uh, it's not freshly laundered anymore. Um, let's see. Okay, on Shabbat though, Shabbat you are allowed to wear freshly laundered clothing and probably you should as a proper honor for uh, Shabbat. In general, all the laws of mourning do not apply on the Shabbat during the nine days. So that would be the 25th of July this year. Um, you can wear anything and uh, anything that's going to look nice. That's the general idea. Um, let's see anything else. Making new clothing is also a problem. A lot of people like to sew. If you're sewing for therapeutic purposes, maybe that's okay. But generally sewing and things to make new clothing is a problem, but you can fix broken or damaged clothing, stitching it or sewing it together. Button fell off, that's okay. Talking about making new clothing. Um, bathing, I said earlier, no showers and baths during the uh, nine days. So you have to understand back in the day, they didn't uh, do it too often and it was a pleasurable activity. Today, uh, we don't feel clean if we don't shower every day. You know, back in the day, it wasn't like that. Hey, you don't take a shower for a week or two. Uh, you know, people would still stand next to you in the store. Uh, today, by the, by the way, today, I don't know if you, I don't know if there's a need to go to the shower anymore because everybody's six feet apart. So really we could skip the showers this year. No, I'm kidding. Um, so originally people didn't take showers. Today, uh, they say that, um, if you need, if you feel the need to, and I'd say most people would feel the need to, you can take a shower. However, a couple of restrictions on that. You don't want to take a long, pleasurable shower. Okay, no, like singing in the shower, like, you know, wash yourself off, soap yourself off and get out. Second of all, if possible, if you can make it a little colder than you usually do uh, to, you know, so it's not so pleasurable, um, because again, you're, you're in there to clean yourself. So if you can make it a little colder, so you recognize, you know, I'm doing this for cleanliness. I'm not doing it, uh, for the pleasure. That's, um, that would be good. We also avoid swimming during these days, aside from the fact that swimming is also a method of washing. There's a lot of danger associated with swimming. Um, unfortunately there's almost every year an incident, uh, during the nine days with pools and stuff. So it's, um, um, it you know, we, we generally avoid dangerous activities during the nine days. Um, so anything that you deem dangerous, uh, you should definitely avoid it during the nine days because it's just a bad time for us and you don't want to open yourself up for bad things to happen. Um, so if you wanted to go skydiving during these days, you know, just cut that out. And, uh, similarly, water sports and that type of stuff, uh, definitely to be avoided. Um, on Arab Shabbat, before Shabbat, according to all opinions, you know, you can take a shower and use warm water and whatnot because it's an honor of the Shabbat. Similarly, cutting nails. During the week, you shouldn't cut your nails, but on Friday before the Shabbat, you may and should and could cut your nails. <clears throat> Let's talk a little bit about the Shabbat that falls out during nine days. Um, uh, this year, the 25th. It's called Shabbat Chazon, the Shabbat of a vision. Uh, simply, it's called that because the first line of the Haftorah, that's the piece of the prophets that we read, 
says Chazon Yeshayahu ben Amotz, uh, the vision of Yeshayahu, the son of Amotz. So simply it's called Shabbat Chazon because uh, we speak about how Yeshayahu had a vision. But uh, deeper, even deeper, says Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Bardichev, the great uh, Hasidic master, he explained that on this Shabbat, we are all shown a vision of the temple. And he explained like this, he said, it's like a uh, child. Uh, the father buys them a, a nice brand new suit, gives it to his child, and the son goes out and plays with his friends. And lo and behold, he comes back home and it's teared in a couple places. It got caught in the slide, it got caught in the there. The father's upset and he says, listen, uh, you know, I paid a lot of money for the suit. I'm going to buy another one, but I want you to be really careful. Don't ruin this one. Uh, so the son was careful for one week, two weeks. The third week, the son goes out again with his friends, not careful, tears it all apart, the tatters. Comes home, the father takes it away and says, you know what, I'm not going to give you another suit till you are show, till you can show that you're responsible enough to take care of it. And so he takes the suit and he buys a new suit. He hangs it up in his closet and every week he shows it to his son. He says, this is what you get when you can become responsible. And says Rabbi Levi, it's like a British, the same thing is on this Shabbat, we as the Jewish people, we had one suit, one temple. We messed it up. We had a second temple, we messed it up. And now every single year on this Shabbat, God shows us a vision of this holy temple. And um, he says, you know, if you behave, you'll be able to get this temple. Now, I have to admit, I have never seen it on Shabbat Chazon. I would guess you probably haven't seen it either. However, like many things it says that our soul sees it and it has a drip down effect onto our conscious selves. So that is what's known as Shabbat Chazon. On Shabbat Chazon, on the Shabbat in the nine days, not only do we not show any mourning, but the Rebbe said, in a sense, maybe we should show extra joy just to prove the fact that we're not mourning. So get some good wine and uh, delicious meat, if you eat meat, and uh, all those different things. Make sure that this is a very, very special Shabbat. So till now, we've discussed the nine days, uh, more particularly the first eight days of the month of Av, until we get to Tisha B'Av. I'm going to discuss Tisha B'Av in a moment, but before I do, I wonder if anybody has any questions on the nine days. Questions or thoughts on the nine days? Um, you can post on Facebook, or you can uh, you can unmute yourself. Rabbi. Yeah. Yes. May I ask um, if um, the first temple? You said that okay. The second temple was destroyed for for our ego. That was negative. Baseless hatred, which boils down to ego. Yes. I'm okay, but. I would think that any sin would have an element of ego and where the first time that the temple was destroyed, those sins were also ego, ultimately. And, but they received the, the second chance, of course, at that time. So there must be something else, I would think. Yeah, so you, you are correct. Ultimately, every sin is based in ego. However, uh, the sin of fighting 
is a sin of ego. It's not just an expression of it. It is ego itself. What, what makes people fight is ego. Um, what makes people uh, do immorality? Uh, ego may prevent their better judgment, but ultimately it, maybe it's a basis of pleasure or whatnot. But um, fighting ultimately is a clear, clear basis in ego. So that's why it's called the center and um, the root of all evil can be traced to the sin of fighting, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Whether you actually express it in fighting or not, but it's, it's a sin of ego. Okay, thank you. No problem. Any other questions? Those are great yeah, questions. Yeah, I got a question. Okay, go for it. Um, thank you. Is it okay, I think it's okay to tevel flatware in the ocean on the nine days. Is that okay? It doesn't conflict with swimming or anything else. I was a little, cons- I, I didn't know before Can you I did it. something in the mikvah during the nine days? Yeah, in the ocean. I would think yes. I'm gonna assume you didn't buy it during the nine days, right? No, I didn't buy it. I bought it before the nine days and it, it has arrived. And I'm actually going to use it uh, for flashing, so I'm not even going to use it until after the nine days, because you know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. no meat. So I'm thinking maybe I should wait till after. I'm not sure, and then I'm just, concerned just that from a perspective it's a little dangerous. Of, just from a perspective of danger, which I discussed earlier, I would just try and stay yeah. away from the water. So, you know, there's two parts of staying away from the water. One is halachic, um, and the other, well, should I say law? And one is more custom. We, we, we are accustomed to staying away from dangerous activities. Uh, especially you go out here in some of the uh, beach areas. It's so rocky out there. Oh, them. my God. It's so slippery. I yeah. slipped during the three weeks before when I tabled something else. I go, I can't believe it. Not only did I slip, but then a car, two cars in front of me caught on fire on the way back. I'm like, Ay vey, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So maybe to wait, yeah? Yeah, I would wait. You know, what does it hurt? Thank you. Okay. I'm good with that. Okay. All right. By the way, if you want, you can also ask a question in the uh, chat over here or in Facebook chat. Okay. So now let's talk about Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av. Now, people don't realize it's such a big day in the calendar, but because it's not a holiday, we don't have any food associated with it. In fact, we have the the opposite of food because we fast. Um, It doesn't get much traction. But um, let's, let's put it like this. So the 9th of Av is, of course, the saddest day in the Jewish calendar. I gave a lot of the history before, uh, all the different terrible things that happened on that day. Um, so here are some of the laws that are associated with it. Um, just like when it comes to a regular holiday, some of the joy of the holiday precedes the holiday. So for example, every Friday from midday, we don't say anything that's sad, okay? And any Friday from midday, we don't say anything that's sad um, because Shabbat is coming. Similarly, in the opposite way, when it comes to Shabbat from midday before Tishabav. So this year, that would be uh, July 29th at, at Jewish midday. We already refrain from m- other joyous activities. One of them is going to be studying Torah in general. Uh, it says that Torah study makes us very happy. Uh, or should, and hopefully you're very happy as you're listening now. So Torah study makes us very happy, and therefore we refrain from studying Torah from that point on. Um, 
However, there are certain aspects of the Torah we can study, things that are sad. Um, for example, there's a whole section of the Talmud that speaks about the destruction or laws of mourning and things like that. Those you're allowed to study. But uh, general uh, Jewish studies, we are not allowed to study. On that day, we are supposed to eat two meals, just like before Yom Kippur, we eat two meals. We're supposed to eat two meals. We eat one big meal. We'll say that's the real meal before Mincha, before we pray the afternoon prayers. Then we dive in the Mincha prayer. And then we eat a second meal. This second meal is called the Su'uda Hamaf second, the meal of separation. And this meal of separation is um, supposed to separate from um, supposed to separate from when we eat to when we don't eat. It's called the meal of separation. Suda Hamaf second. So it's the one that you'll eat pretty much right before the fast starts. This year the fast starts at 8, 8.23. So let's say you're going to eat it at 7.45. Now this meal, the second meal, has a lot of restrictions, which is why you want to really eat your meal in the first meal. This meal has a lot of restrictions. You're not allowed to eat meat, of course, but you're not allowed to even eat two cooked foods. Um, so the custom has become that all we eat for this meal is bread and a boiled egg. Again, bread and a boiled egg. A lot of people also, for the bread, they'll eat something round, a bagel or a roll, because something round represents mourning. So what we do is we have a bread or a bagel and salt plus an egg. And uh, we're also, many people are accustomed to dip the bread and uh, the egg possibly in ashes. So you could take a napkin, you know, burn it up, and now dip your bread into the ashes. Uh, because again, ashes is always a sign of mourning. If you, you know, always the olden old days, sackcloth and ashes. So again, so you have one large meal, then you do your afternoon prayers, and then you have your separation meal. In your separation meal, all you eat is hopefully round bread, a challah or a roll and uh, egg with ashes. Um, and then uh, also in that meal, we're mourning, so we sit low to the ground. We sit on a mat on the floor or on a small little chair or already whatever mourner would sit on. You know, you pull out the, 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 the couch uh, cushions, however you want to do it. Um, after that meal is over, if you bench, if you say that a grace after meals, you may still eat or drink as long as you had in mind that you're going to allow yourself to eat or drink before um, before sunset. Once sunset comes, of course, at 8.23, no more eating or drinking is allowed. Um, it's interesting here. Uh, there's a debate, yeah, whether you need to dip the egg or not. So I said earlier there were a bunch. Okay, no, you know, we can skip that. Okay. On Tisha B'Av itself, on the 9th of Av, the restrictions that, so again, we had restrictions for the three weeks, then we had restrictions for the nine days. Now, of course, on the ninth of Av, the restrictions are even more restrictive, uh, similar to Yom Kippur. So what are those restrictions? Of course, we fast, that means we don't eat or drink. No bathing at all, okay? So I told you earlier, you could bathe, you know, for cleanliness, no bathing, uh, you know, no shower on uh, July 30th. You shouldn't be going anywhere anyway, so hopefully you won't uh, you won't reek. Um, no anointing it means no creams or lotions that are not medical in nature. No leather shoes, just like uh, Yom Kippur. No marital relations. No learning Torah. Again, this is where it's more restrictive. 
Um, except we'll see there's, uh, unless it's Torah that, that's of more sad nature, which we'll discuss what things you can learn. Uh, we don't greet other people if we don't have to. So we won't say good morning, how are you? And uh, we shouldn't smoke either. Also, the custom has become not to work until the Jewish midday. So the Jewish midday is directly between sunrise and sunset. Let's see what uh, midday is. Right, what's what time midday is going to be in Palm Harbor on Tisha B'Av? Let's pull it up over here. So July 30th. Um, so midday on July 30th. Midday is going to be 1:37 p.m. So you should refrain from work and other types of stuff uh, from 1:30 p.m. Um, of course, people who are sick, pregnant, different things. Um, as the old saying is, ask your LR, ask your local Orthodox rabbi if you have coronavirus. Of course, don't fast. Um, but all these different things. Uh, also, there are ways where you can eat a little bit without fasting. So um, just be aware there are, you know, if you have a problem or if you need to take medication, speak to your local Orthodox rabbi and ask them what to do. Um, Okay, children don't fast, of course, um, unless they're almost bar mitzvah, then they might want to practice. Um, smelling spices, okay, leather shoes, we discussed that. Uh, some shoes have leather in different parts of it, so you want to be careful not to have any leather on your shoes at all. Crocs are shoes that we know that don't have any leather in it. Um, I said no lotions, right? Nothing for pleasure. Uh, also, when we say washing, uh, we said no showers, no washing for pleasure. So really, that also includes even washing your hands. So washing your hands for pleasure is not allowed. <clears throat> if it's for cleanliness, and today we are all hypersensitive for cleanliness, you may wash your hands. However, for holy purposes, even, we don't wash our whole hand. So for example, in the morning, when we do our morning hand washing, we'll only wash until the knuckles yeah, it's called knuckles, right? We'll only wash until the knuckles. We don't wash until the wrist because for holy purposes, we will not wash. Um, that's based on, there's a debate in Jewish law whether you need to wash your hands in the morning until your knuckles, until your wrist. And so on this day, we're going to take the more strict opinion. Um, we don't rinse our mouth. I know you really want to, but uh, we're afraid that you might uh, swallow something. So no mouthwash, no toothpaste. Oh. People won't want to be around you, but that's fine because you're not supposed to greet anybody anyways and you're supposed to be six feet away from everybody. And um, yeah, okay. Um, learning Torah on Tisha B'Av. So we said that the study of Torah is not allowed. I do want to, on the day of Tisha B'Av, for those who are interested, I, will, I am planning on having a study session of the section of the Talmud, which discusses the destruction and... And that is a very, very fascinating piece of the Talmud. So for those who want to join me with that on Tisha B'Av, we will be doing that on uh, Thursday, next Thursday. So here are things that can be learned, just to give you an idea. The Book of Job. <laughs> Obviously, the Book of Job is pretty sad. Uh, the tragic parts in the Book of Jeremiah. The Book of Lamentations. The Midrash on the Book of Lamentations. Um, the third chapter in the, in the Talmud, a uh, section that speaks about mourning. 
the story of the destruction in the Talmud Gittin, uh, the story of the destruction in Josephus. Um, okay. Uh, after midday on Tisha B'Av, so on the Thursday, you can stay, study things that you normally study. So for example, you can study the Book of Psalms. If you say the Book of Psalms every day, your daily Chumash, your daily Torah study, or Tanya study, then you can uh, study what you normally study. If you have a set thing, you can also study the laws of the rebuilding of the temple. That's because the temple, um, we consider this not only to be a sad day, but in the future it'll be a happy day. It'll turn into a joyous day. That's what it says. These days will turn over to joyous days. And instead of Tisha about the night about being a sad day, it will be a happy day when we'll celebrate the rebuildings. We can already study the rebuilding of the temple. Um, we spoke about not greeting other people. We also spoke about not working. That includes even housework or preparing the food. You should not do any of that stuff in the morning. Um, you should wait until later. For those who want, um, if you really want to know what people read is there's a whole giant um, section of lamentations. Um, let me see if I can pull it up. We have one of them in the synagogue, but obviously that's not enough. Um, <clears throat> so in addition to the Book of Lamentations, there's also, um, well, you know, well, here's two options you can do. I'll share my screen. If you want to buy books, that is, of course. Um, here's the Book of Lamentations with commentaries by Art Scroll. They also have what's called Art Scroll uh, Keynote. Um, let's see if they have it. Uh, let's see if they have uh, Eicha. Uh, I don't see it. Okay, anyways, for those who want, by the way, I'm, I'm planning on getting a book which has at least the Book of Lamentations with the translation and some of the shortened laws. Um, someone made it, so um, if you want that. Uh, working, I said, you know, you shouldn't work. And, and also realize that, uh, you know, try and avoid working because uh, there probably won't be a lot of blessing in the work that you have to do on a day like that. Um, you know, watching comedy shows is also not in the spirit of the day. Um, pretty much the idea is it's a pretty sad day and it lightens up from the second half of the day. And if there's anything that you need to get done, do it in the second half of the day from 1.37 and on. Many people are accustomed, even when they sleep on the night of Tisha B'Av, to make it uncomfortable. Some people will sleep on the floor. Others will make sure they sleep with a less comfortable pillow. Um, others will uh, uh, not cover their feet. I don't know. Whatever it is that, that makes your sleep uncomfortable, some people are accustomed to do that. Um, from when Tisha B'Av starts, so from 8.23 um, at night on the Wednesday, we do not sit on regular chairs. We sit low to the ground like mourners. Um, and that applies until midday on Thursday at 1.37. Now, of course, if you're driving in a car, we don't expect you to pull the cushion out of the car if you're flying on a plane, which, of course, if possible, you should avoid on that day. But if you are, um, you don't uh, pull out the cushion. You don't pull out the chair on the airplane and say it's your religious right to uh, pull out the cushion, right? It's my religious right. I am allowed to sit on the floor. Nobody can force me to buckle in. Um, okay. Um, 
So just to give you an idea of what you might have seen in the synagogue on the 9th of Av, and maybe what you can incorporate in your house, uh, once the 9th of Av starts, once uh, nightfall begins, it's about um, 8.48. In the synagogue, we make it dark. We remove the cover over the Holy Ark. Um, we uh, pray the evening services in a very subdued manner. Um, as I mentioned earlier, sitting on the floor. After the Amida, we read the Book of Lamentations. And then after the Book of Lamentations, we move on to the end of the Ma'ar prayer service. And uh, that's really the whole service at night. During the day, during the morning, on Thursday morning, again, we wash our hands. We only wash until the knuckle. We don't wash the whole hand. Uh, we um, we uh, don't wear talis or tefillin. Um, we do not say the tachanun. Uh, there's a Torah reading given at that time, and uh, basically it's a shortened service. And after that, we say what's known as kinos. Kinos are basically uh, prayers that have been written or poems that have been written throughout the generations, lamenting the destruction. And not just the destruction of the temple, but the destructions that happened to our people throughout all different times, whether it be the Crusaders or other types of destruction. And it's very, very long. It could take uh, two, three hours. Again, we have a translation of it in the synagogue, um, but maybe I could find it online if you, if you really want to read it. Um, so that's what most people spend most of their morning. And by the time you finish that, it's probably close to midday. Um, once, uh, we also read the Book of Lamentations during the day uh, and at night. I forgot about reading it at night. Um, however, it's this is where Tisha B'Av, the 9th of Av, gets strange. The Mincha prayer, the afternoon prayer on Tisha B'Av, that's on the 30th, on the Thursday, then we put the covering back on the ark. Uh, we give charity because a fast day is always a great time to give charity. Uh, we put on our talis and tefillin. So it's the only time we really put on our talis and tefillin for Mincha. Uh, we read the Shema on it. We study whatever we usually study. And then we have the Mincha prayer with the Torah reading. Uh, so there's a Torah reading on the Mincha that day. And then finally, we finish with um, uh, once nightfall comes, 848, you can pray the Marav service and you may eat. Now, there are still some restrictions that we retain until the following day, midday, 1.37 p.m. Uh, those restrictions include... Um, we don't eat meat or drink wine. So the meal after Tisha B'Av on the night, you don't eat meat or drink wine. Now, uh, in a year where Tisha B'Av is a Shabbat, and so we fast on the Sunday, there's no restrictions once it's over. But in a typical year like this year, where Tisha B'Av is a Thursday, that night and the following day until midday, we still retain many of the restrictions. And... Um, I think the restrictions we retain are freshly laundered clothing and meat and music. I think those are the ones that we keep and, and avoid travel uh, if possible. I think those are all the things we keep. That's my, my recollection. Um, in conclusion, um, at the same time that it's the saddest day in the Jewish period, we know that it's going to turn into a very, very happy day. Uh, 
Um, in Judaism, life and death are always interconnected. Destruction and rebuilding are always interconnected. And so just as we know that the saddest day right now, the ninth of Av, we know that also the most joyous day is going to be on that day. And that is why it's become such a thing to study the uh, rebuilding of the temple during these times. Uh, there's plenty of resources online. I think nowadays even somebody made a virtual reality way that you can walk through the temple. And um, it says that uh, King Solomon, when he built the temple, he built a hiding place for the ark. I was thinking of giving a class on that. Maybe I, I still will another time. And um, what he understood was that there's two methods of the temple operating. There's the temple when it's built, and there's the temple when it's destroyed. And even when the temple is destroyed, the Ark of the Covenant is still buried deep under the Temple Mount. And what that means is, is that God's presence is still with us here during the exile. You may be hidden, may be covered, but we know that from all the sadness will come joy. From all the difficulties will come light. And so during these days, when we diminish in joy, uh, we also look forward toward the future. We don't dance for the future yet because it's not here, but we look forward toward the future. And we should take these moments as a moment of introspection, a moment of thinking. And as we mentioned earlier, you know, thinking about faceless hatred and other things and ways in which we can perfect ourselves, perfect the world around us and ways that we can make ourselves better. And um, hopefully bring on that day again when uh, the coming of Mashiach will be soon. You know, it says that only those who mourned over the temple are the ones who will be able to enjoy the rebuilding of the temple. It's kind of like people say, if you can't cry, you can't truly laugh. If you can't be sad, you can't truly be happy. And um, so it's kind of a similar thing here. The fact that we're sad over the temple is because how much we yearn for it. And our yearning should propel us forward to try and rebuild it. So I know I went through a lot of customs and ideas. If you have any questions or any books you want to get, or if you're interested in sponsoring these books of uh, Lamentations to be sent out, um, just let me know. And as always, if there's anything, anything I can do for you, uh, let me know. Um, we will be having a service on Zoom on Tisha B'Av on the 9th of Av on Wednesday night. Um, so you can follow the Book of Lamentations together with us then. Um, and uh, so therefore, you'll probably want to get the books uh, before then. And uh, you'll be able to join us in that service. But God willing, all this will be unnecessary as uh, we will soon speedily see the coming of Mashiach very, very soon. And that's my story. If anybody has any uh, questions or comments, avail yourself of that now before I uh, close the line of communication over here. Any questions? Nope. That's it. Okay, good. Um, goodbye to Facebook for now.